0: Uh, As we uh, get ready to dive into our passage uh, tonight and our topic, uh, I asked Lisa to uh, read the scripture for us. It comes from John chapter 11. Amen. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just be upon my words, upon these words, upon what you're doing in our lives, uh, so that uh, your word would be a living word to us today. Uh, The passage goes on uh, to say, to talk about that, after this interaction that Jesus has with Martha, uh, that he goes uh, toward the tomb, <clears throat> and uh, he sees all these Jews that have come down from Jerusalem, and they're mourning, they're weeping. And, and he, he begins to weep as well. It says that like even there's this deep inner groaning in him, and, uh, and he wept. And when the Jews see him weeping, they say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Could not he who had opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And this is a question I've really been wrestling with this week. I, I'm, I'm feeling all sorts of things, uh, and one of those things I'm feeling is grief. Um, there's just, there's so much pain in the world, so much death in our world. Um, you know, from the, the just the, the COVID uh, deaths and the mounting numbers of deaths, and then all of the loss that we feel around uh, quarantine and what we're not able to do, the ways we're not able to meet and gather, and there's just, there's so much loss that we're feeling. And then, and then the, the, the loss that's really been highlighted, the death that's been highlighted in the last year since George Floyd, Uh, which was nothing new for the african-american community but just more in our face than ever and seeing it continue throughout the year and then and then this past week as uh, eight asian americans were murdered in atlanta and uh, we just grieve we just really grieve that and there's so much of it it's overwhelming Uh, I, i don't i don't know if we actually have the capacity to really feel uh what we would feel if we actually took it all in. And so we all have our coping mechanisms. Uh, we get busy. We, we, uh, we go towards our, our addictions or, or whatever things uh, that help comfort us or uh, distract us because it's just so much. And, um, and every week it's just going on. And, and like the Psalms say, and often in the Old Testament, how long, O Lord, how long? Uh, will this continue and so b- before I, I go on with the sermon, I actually just want us to spend a mo- uh, a minute of silence um, and you you don't necessarily have to feel anything uh, but just as as I think about these eight eight victims in Atlanta, I just want us to have uh, a time of silence so starting now. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And I'm also really uh, grieving a lot this week because my dear friend Corey, who we have prayed for often, uh, both here on Sundays and in our Wednesday night prayer group, um, died on Monday morning uh, from esophageal cancer, which had spread to his liver and his lymph nodes. And uh, he's left behind a, a grieving wife. And... Three teenage daughters who don't have a dad anymore, and I'm really feeling the loss of my friend. Uh, we've been friends for over thirty years. And he's also my age. He's the first friend of, of my era uh, that I've I've lost this way, and um, yeah. So I, I'm I've been really feeling that, and I'm, and I'm I'm also wrestling uh, in all of this because we pray. We're people of prayer. We we believe, as Jesus said to Martha, that if anyone believes in Jesus, they will live. And that in the name of Jesus, there's actually healing from the worst illnesses that we can come up with. The name of Jesus is above every name. And so it's out of that place of conviction and expectation that like the Jews who met Jesus outside of Lazarus's tomb, We say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? That's the place of conviction that we pray from, the place of faith. And Corey died. And I got to tell you, I'm wrestling with God about this. And um, I think it's important to do that. I think um, it doesn't mean that that I, I've lost my faith, I think actually it, it increases my faith because I'm, I'm not turning my back on God. I'm, I'm wrestling with God about this. Because even, even though I know that everyone that Jesus healed eventually died, um, everyone that Jesus raised from the dead eventually died, Jesus also healed and raised people from the dead. And he gave us authority to do the same. We, we proclaim this, we teach this. And I'm wearing a t-shirt about it. you know. So it's in light of that that I wrestle and I grieve. And I imagine that um, probably everybody on this Zoom call and maybe the folks following on Facebook as well have lost one or more people in their lives, family members, friends, and when we're in that place of grief, one of the first things I think we try to do to comfort ourselves is to make sense of a senseless loss. Uh, we, we come up with we try to come up with the reason why the person died. Um, and I think the things we come up with are not very helpful and they're not true. Um, and often we're doing it, uh, maybe not for ourselves, maybe for the person who has the loss. We, we, we don't know what to say, so we say something. And I, and I hear things, maybe you've heard them, like God needed another angel, or um, God just loved them so much that he wanted them closer to them. I was, I was watching a series on Netflix uh, last week uh, that uh, included this Muslim family whose uh, older brother had died. And uh, the younger brother was really grieving and asked his mother, why, why did God take him? And his mother said, well, God just loved him so much that he wanted him really close to him. And there was this long pause. And then the, the younger brother says, does God love me that much? Um, and, and she realizes she's kind of gotten herself into a trap there. And he says, she says, well, of course he does but he has other things for you. But that's, that's the thing, is, is, is we, we, we want to make sense of it. We want to we comfort ourselves. And it's so difficult when we lose someone. Uh, but all of these things that we come up with are not the reasons that people die. God doesn't need another angel. God has a myriad of angels. We die because death is in the world. And we are in the world, and our bodies are fragile, and subject to death. Now, sometimes it it seems, uh, and it feels as though, particularly when someone has been suffering for a long time, that death is a good thing. There's a uh, uh, the suffering ends. Uh, with my my wife Susan, her mom was in that place like that, and there came a point where we, we stopped praying for healing, and we felt like it was time to start praying for God to take her home. And so we began to do that, and within about four months, she died. And that death uh, felt like a relief, and still there's grief. Like, death can be an answer to prayer for long-suffering, but there's still loss, and there's still grief, and it's important to grieve. It's really important to grieve. And it's good to know that our loved ones who know Jesus have gone to be with him. And that is by far a better better place. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul is wrestling with this. He's been arrested. He's potentially awaiting execution. That could happen any moment. Um, And he writes this in verse 21. For me to live is Christ, which means that as long as I'm alive, Jesus is why I'm here. Everything I'm going to do is going to be about Jesus. To live is Christ, but to die is gain, he says. If I'm to remain in the flesh, in this body, that means fruitful labor for me. Jesus has stuff for me to do while I'm here. But my desire, he says, is actually to depart and be with Christ. He says, "Which is better by far? But to remain is necessary on your account." And so, so he's wrestling. This is Paul's wrestling that for him, death would actually be a good thing to depart, to go be with Jesus. So, so it it's, it feels complicated that we grieve and yet, okay, they get to be with Jesus which is better by far, but it's, it's important still that we grieve our losses, even though we can't make sense of them. And, he, and even though we, we believe that God heals, we pray for healing. We've seen healing. Uh, I've seen healing. Uh, I, I have yet to be around someone who's been raised from the dead, but I've heard plenty of stories. I know it happens. And so even in the midst of the miraculous that God is doing, there's still death and we need to grieve that. In Acts chapter 8, verse 2, uh, it talks about the death of Stephen, who was the first first member of the early church that was killed on behalf of Christ. He's the first martyr. And uh, it says that devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. So even in the midst of a a church community that was really exploding. like there's It was growing and growing, and all these miracles were happening. God was doing amazing things. Um, there was death, and they mourned the death. They mourned the death. In the midst of all of the supernatural, death still happened. You know, sometimes I hear, um, I've heard people say, you know, why did God take my friend? Why did God take my homie? Why did God take my family member? And I feel like the the answer is complicated. Death can sometimes, like I just said, feel like a relief from suffering in such a way that it's an answer to prayer where I, I believe God did take them. Um, but, but in the Bible, death is an enemy. It's actually the final enemy to be overcome. So, So it's actually more accurate when someone dies to say death took them, not God took them. Because that makes God an enemy sometimes if we think God took them away. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 20 through 26, Paul writes this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, I love the fact that uh, when Jesus is talking to the disciples in John 11, and then Paul says this here, they use the phrase fallen asleep. Um, That's really comforting to me. Because we wake up after we've fallen asleep. But what we wake up to in this case is something far beyond what we could ask or even imagine. So Jesus is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by one man came death, by one man has also come the resurrection of the dead for as in adam all die so also in christ shall all be made alive but each in its own order christ the first fruits then at his coming those who belong to christ and then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of god uh, when he delivers the kingdom to god the father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So death is the enemy, and it's meant to be destroyed. While God uses death, death, death seeks to steal us. Jesus, Jesus, When Jesus talks about it, like death is the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But ultimately, because of Jesus' uh, death and his resurrection and him being the first fruits, the one that has gone before us, has gone down into death and then has been raised up into life, then when we go down into death, even though death has taken us, uh, God snatches us out. Like death tries to be the thief, but God steals us. So death takes us, but God receives us. Death takes us, but God receives us. That's that's what we're getting ready to celebrate in two weeks. Today is two weeks from Easter. It's already Easter. And the good news of Easter is that though death is the enemy who has taken our, our loved ones, our friends, and our family, through Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, God actually receives them. Death might take them, but God receives them. So as we as we look to Jesus, to Easter, and his death and his resurrection, uh, that's the good news, is the victory of Jesus in the face of the tyranny of death that's all around us, that's all around us. You know, it says that Jesus died and he descended into hell, and three days later he came out. And in doing that, every place he went, he declared his victory. So that we don't need to be afraid of it anymore. That even though we die, even though my friend Corey died, even though these eight people in Atlanta died, even though many people actually who I talked to at the park today have lost friends and loved ones this week as well, even though all that has happened, death does not have the final word. Resurrection. In Jesus is the final word. That's the final word. So, yet even in the face of all of this triumph of Easter Sunday, uh, we still grieve, and we should. I I need to grieve more. I, I I love I still I love so much that in John eleven, when Jesus is going to Lazarus's tomb, Jesus knows what he's going to do. He knows that in moments he's gonna call Lazarus's name and he's gonna walk out alive. And he still sees the pain in all of the the grief that's in all of these Jews around him. And And he doesn't correct them for not having faith. He doesn't say, you didn't believe in the power of God. You don't have hope. He doesn't do any of that, he weeps. He weeps. Jesus grieves. Later in First Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes this, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. There's that phrase again, fallen asleep. Don't be uninformed about them so that you do not grieve as others do who have no hope. Don't Grieve, but don't grieve as those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So it's because Jesus died and rose again that we can still grieve our very real loss and pain anger and rage but not like we have no hope we can just be real about everything we're feeling but we know that in the end uh, Easter is our hope the resurrection is our hope and as we look to Jesus we hear him say again like he said to Martha I am the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me even though they die they will live do you believe this? Do you believe this? And as I was working on this uh, this morning, I just realized there's no, there's no tidy way to wrap this up. So I'm just going to leave it at that and pray. So, Holy Spirit, we, we bring to you whatever grief we are holding that we don't know how to process. We bring to you like it's pressed down into our tissues. It might even be causing us illness uh, because there's just so much loss that we are experiencing. So many levels and different kinds of loss. And we, we haven't grieved it. We don't know how to grieve it. And we need your help, Holy Spirit. We, we need you to come and, uh, and touch us That we might actually really weep like Jesus wept. Lord, would you give us the anointing of tears so that we could um, release all of this stuff in us? Not just so that we won't be sick, but um, because it's just, it's right, and you showed us how, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, because you did go into the grave and came out and have been raised to the right hand of the Father, and you take us there with you. Thank you. Thank you that we don't need to be afraid. Now, just help us to grieve. In Jesus' name, amen.